to have Bishop Bob McGee among our midst. He will come forward and he will bring God's word. Shall we sit in the presence of God with a prayerful attitude? Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor. What a joy it is to be in service with you today. And in your worship, I think you walked right into the throne room of God. And I'm glad that he never sleeps. He's always there for every individual. But I want to take a moment and thank your Pastor Penny for opening the pulpit up to me to be able to minister to you. I just found out three days ago I was going to minister. I was coming in off of one trip, changing gears and coming to another. But when I got to New York, and I've got here, never been in this area of my life before, uh, my briefcase, my Bible, my PowerPoint, everything I have didn't get here. So... You want me to use this? All right. Now, now I can move around. I don't like to preach like I'm in a corral. I like to get out. But there's one thing that I did. I told my wife, I said, "Hun, I said, God knows exactly what he's doing. I don't know as these ministers are here and pastors are here. Even at times, should your Bible not be with you, which this is the first time in 45 years. But the fact of the matter is, there's a greater than the angels in heaven, greater than the prophets, greater than the disciples, greater than any man, faithful in love, faithful in redemption, faithful in his soon coming, and the God that I serve that knows my heart, Pastor, and his word lives within us. It may not be on paper, but it's in my heart, and when it's in your heart, you can preach with the anointing and with the power of God, and God's word could use you. And as I was sitting here, I was thinking as your pastor was talking, going to a new facility. 
in the journey of life and as you gather together, God knows how to open facilities and make provision over and over and over again. When I was a bishop in the state of Oregon, uh, there was a man that was needing a new church. He was meeting in a building. They were praying for a building to come forth and asking God, saving their money and everything. And a man walked up who was a Gideon, just got saved, and joined the Gideons. And he was only a Gideon for a little while. And he wrote out a check, bought a brand new facility, and gave it to them. So when God's people gather together, God will always make a place for us. Can you say amen? amen? Also, I'd like to say that God is gracious in the fact as I looked at this wedding and watched the wedding of Jonathan and Marianne, I have never been to a wedding like that before in all of my life. But one thing about it, you folks know how to put together a wedding. And I've never ate so much in one day as I ate here while I was at that wedding. And Dr. George asked me, as A.K. said, a bishop, we're going also at 8 o'clock. I said, at 8 o'clock, what are we doing? We're eating again. I said, no, I can't do that. I'm going to stay uh, in the hotel room. There's only so much eating that I could do in a day. Now, you can't tell by looking. <laughs> the thing about it is, you know, I've learned one thing in life. You know, I've been on a diet all my life. My wife's a registered nurse, and she's always had me in a diet, but over half of our ministry... We've been on the road traveling and all of these things. And even Dr. George, my cardiologist, uh, tries to work for me. And we were in Branson, Missouri. I'll never forget, we got on the Branson bill, and I had had a stent put in. And then he ordered chicken. So we went there, and he ordered chicken for me. They had chicken and prime rib. Well, when everything came across, they put prime rib in front of me. He goes, no, 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 no. No prime rib, no prime rib. I said, what God brings, he's staying here. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm putting the prime rib in the ministry. Amen. And that's what I had done. So I put it there. So here are my notes. I wrote them out. They asked me, do I have a PowerPoint? No. Uh, do I have my Bible with me? No. But I have it all in my mind, my, my, my heart, and God has spoke to me, so I wrote it out in the hotel room. The one thing that I have noticed since I've been here, and I appreciate the spirit that many of you have and what God is doing in your life, he has a plan for every individual, and it's a good plan, to share his word wherever we are. And if you're born again today and you've met Christ, you're never going to be the same. And then God may call you as he did Paul and, and Barnabas when he called them and said, separate them. They were no longer the same because God called them to preach his word. But the word of God and the sharing of God's word, it's not just for the ministry for those that are preaching it and those that are teaching it, is for every individual. And my thought today is evangelism. Spread it out where you are and then also become involved. It makes a big difference whether you're involved in what God is doing or not. A lot of times there's too many standing on the sidelines and they're watching, but they're not involved. Kind of like Israel. You know, when you go and you got to, uh, Israel went up against the battle against, uh, against Goliath. And here is their king Saul, bigger than anyone else, a trained warrior, all of his brothers, everybody was there. And Goliath would come out and make his boast and challenge Israel. And Israel began to shake and began to wonder if they were going to be killed. They, nobody wanted to go up against him. And here comes an anointed young man by the name of David, 
who had a relationship with God on the backside of the hills taking care of his father's sheep and he had the experience of God in his heart. When he came to the war, he seen both sides lined up and the fear that was there in the hearts of every individual. The difference between David and Saul and all of his brothers and everyone else was he was the only one in the very beginning that got in the war. A lot of you can be at the battlefield, but he got in the battle. And if we're going to win what God wants us to do in this last day, we need to get in the battle because God is on the throne. The devil's a liar. Faith is a victory. We're more than overcomers through Jesus Christ. So what did Jesus do? First of all, I want to read this scripture. And he said this in the book of Matthew chapter 4 and verse 49. Excuse me, verse 19. He said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. What did he do? He took ordinary men and he said, follow me. And he made them fishers of men. And so they began to follow after Jesus Christ. Those of us that are called of God and preaching his gospel, God called us. I can't call you. Another one can't call you. Your best friend can't call you. The call of God comes from God itself. When he puts that anointing and he calls you to fulfill his purpose. And so here, Jesus calls them and they begin to come to spread the gospel about Jesus Christ. Just like 2,000 years ago, it's not always easy to follow and to face some of the battles that we face today. But the Bible said we're more than overcomers through the blood of the Lamb and the word of his testimony. You never know who you're going to win for God. I appreciate those that are sharing God's word. And one of the greatest things you can do today is you've got to identify your mission field. Where is it? I'm here to tell you it's all around you. Wherever you are is a mission field where you can share Christ with one or another. You never know who you're going to run into. You never know who you're going to talk to. I remember going with my father to buy a car, and he needed another car, so he went to this dealership in Oregon, and while I was there and talking to the salesman, I started sharing Christ with him, come to find out this man had, his wife had left him, he was the city administrator for the city of Portland, Oregon, and he had given up on his job, he felt like there was no hope, no hope in anything, no hope in a future for him, but in witnessing to him, there was a mission field right there began to speak into his life. And as I was speaking into his life, I was able to pray him through. My dad said, man, son, how long does it take to buy a car? Six hours later, the man, my father finally got the car, but I was witnessing to him about Jesus Christ. John Law Madrid is a Christian today. His name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. And God is using him in, in, what, in, in sharing the gospel that he's doing with others that are there. And then have you ever heard of the expression that says, bloom where you are? You know, if you plant something, you expect it to do something. And God expects us to blossom out where we are. Do something for the kingdom of God. Make a difference wherever you are. And that's what God has called and commissioned each of us to do. And like I said, you don't have to be a pastor or an evangelist. All of us are called of the Lord. Psalms 96 and 3 said this. 
and, and this is what he said, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among the people. The one thing that I started doing in Missouri in our district, I have a lot of pastors, a lot of churches, and I begin to inspire them and uh, uh, AK, you know what I'm talking about, in a conference I have called LEAD, Inspire, Network, and Connect. You've got to be a leader in the things of God. You've got to inspire others that they might want what you have. You need to network and share it with others around what God is doing. But the most important thing you've got to do is you've got to connect with people around you. Let them know about Jesus Christ because he is there. He's there for us. He's there to guide you. He's there to direct you because as you look at him and all that he does, God will give you the power to accomplish the task. The one thing that I like what was said, I believe your pastor said it at yesterday at the wedding, but prayer is an important thing. God has chosen not to do anything apart from prayer. You know what? God doesn't pray to himself. It takes us to pray. It moves the hand of God, moves the hand of angels, moves the hand of men. God does things in this world he wouldn't normally do if people pray. When you pray, God will meet you there. You may pray and feel nothing the first day. Pray and feel nothing the second day. But the longer you wait upon the Lord, God will show up at the exact right time. He will minister to you, tell you what to do, and help you to be effective for the kingdom of God. I asked the Lord a long time ago if he would help me to connect to others. Not raised in church. I was raised in Seattle. Not raised in church. And I come from a broken home, all of that. Wondered if there was a future for me. Got connected at the YMCA in Seattle, Washington. While I was there, a church group came. And they started witnessing about Jesus Christ. They planted a seed. And when they planted that seed, it changed my life. The very next day, I started searching for Christ. I went and I've got some clothes to go to church. I went from one church to another church to another church to another church. I want you to know trying to find out where God was. But when I really began to pray and seek him, I found out that God was in the hearts and lives of men and women in his church as the people today throughout the four corners of the world. When I asked him into my heart, it changed me. Then I wanted to do something different. I wanted to connect. I wanted to be able to inspire people. Let them know what Jesus Christ had done for me. Little did I know that God was going to call me into the ministry years later. Went to Bible college in California. And when God called me years later, I began to go in the ministry and all the things that God's brought me to. And the one thing that I found out in evangelism and connecting, and more than anything else, it's not everything that I say. But I'm going to give you an exercise here, and I'm going to show you something. I want everyone to stand, would you please? Let's stand. I'm going to make a quick point. Now, I usually tell them to hold their arms out like this, but I don't want you to hit your neighbor and knock him out. So hold your hands in the air like this. Okay? Now, I'm going to count to three, and when I get to three, I will say clap. And when I say clap, clap your hands. Are you ready? One. Two, three. <laughs> Clap. You may be seated. What I just showed you was you didn't do what I asked you to do.
did you? I said, now when I count one, two, three, and when I say clap, clap. So I'm up here and I go one, two, three, and I clap my hands, everybody claps. But you see, then I said clap. The point is, is this. Sometimes we don't realize it. No matter how much you say, and the word never returns void, people are watching their lives, watching your actions, and they're watching what you do more than what you say. How you act, how your life is, what kind of character you have. Because I'm a firm believer in character and integrity. I'm a firm believer that if I'm going to be like Christ, I have to have compassion in my heart and walk as Jesus wants me to walk. He molds us and shapes us and develops us into what he wants us to be. In evangelism today, could you say New York needs Jesus Christ? Could you say every city in America needs Jesus Christ? I'll tell you what, America is split, but not only America. Every country in the world is in a crisis, but there's still a God in heaven who rules and reigns, and he's got a remnant here in this earth, and God expects us in this last hour and last day to move forward and to be effective for the kingdom of God. You know, if we're going to share the gospel, there's one thing. Some people say the word of God is not revelant. It's always revelant. But if you share this scripture, John 3.16, we all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's people today looking for hope. They're looking for answers. We've got counselors around the world that don't know God, trying to solve the problem. We've got leaders in every nation trying to solve the problems of their, of their nations and the problems of families. But you and I today have the answer to where true peace comes from. It comes from Christ. It comes from His Word. It comes from prayer. And when people find Christ, families begin to come into the Lord. I have two brothers. I've only had the, And both my brothers are saved. Just had two brothers. And all three of us are saved men today. We go different places, but we are saved. We love the Lord with all of our heart. We share the gospel wherever we are. Our mother, our mother's still living, but she left and lived a rough life and left all of, our, all of her children, us three boys, and gave away my sister. The fact of the matter is God knows how to bring people together and turn them around. For years I looked for them. And my brother found out where uh, two of my sisters were. And when they found them, the first thing I said, I'm going to fly back into Worston and went there to meet them. And when we did, I began to pray, God, help me to share Christ with them. Hadn't seen them in years and years and years. To show you what God could do, when I began to share Christ with them, then when we got there, they want to talk about God to me. So you come from a dysfunctional family or you meet a friend, that does here, that comes from a dysfunctional family, God knows how to keep the family together. And God knows how to change lives. And he can change your life uh, today. And then I want to share another thing with you that I feel is very powerful and very important. First of all, all, all of us are sinners and we need a Savior. We need to pray for our leaders in our country. We need to pray for the leaders that are making decisions. And I was sharing with the uh, uh, superintendent, I don't know if he's here today from, from India, about one of the Supreme Court justices just about five or six weeks ago, uh, Samuel Lito was in a meeting. He was speaking at this conference. 
And while he was speaking there, he said, Christians need to get ready because there is a great persecution coming to them. And uh, they begin to ask what it was. The left, they want to live more unrighteously, want to live more of an ungodly life, want to be able to control their own destiny, are going to do everything they possibly can to get laws passed, and they're going to get laws passed that are anti-God. Well, the church is not going to stand for that. The church is going to stand upon the principles of God's Word. How rooted and grounded are you that if they say murder is legal and they change the terminology to abortion, it's still not legal. If they want a man live with a man, a woman with a woman, and try and, uh, and get married and say that is a legal thing, it's still not legal. It's God's Word that made our country great. It's God's Word that began to separate us uh, today from those who do not believe in God. But yet it began to shift. And the Christians for years seemingly like we're silent. It's time to evangelize. It's time to get the word out. It's good to shout and praise God Well, we got a crowd where everybody that we believe what we believe is there. But to get out where they don't believe. Can you still stand for God? Share your faith. Follow the leading of God on a one-to-one -one basis that you may be able to speak into somebody's life and change them. Not too many months ago, we had an election across the country for governors for, all, for many of our states, and we had an election for a governor for the state of Missouri. And there was a man running in the state of Missouri by the name of John Bruner. And I went to uh, one of the meetings that they had there. I was invited uh, by the county clerk and some other people in our area. So I went to that meeting, and while I was there, I was sitting there, we having a banquet, and we had the, the four people that were running for governor that were there. And while I was sitting there, uh, one of the uh, forerunners of John Bruner, uh, I began to talk to him, and he said, don't go anywhere, stay right there. And I was wondering what he's wanting. So you see, you never know what God's going to do where you are. He went and got John Bruner, brought him over, and set him down next to me. For 45 minutes, John began to listen to me as I, he said, you're a bishop. I said, yes. I started speaking to him about the Word of God. I said, you want to help Missouri? You want to help Missouri to become a, a state that can be a state that recognizes God and have individuals in key offices that love the Lord? I said, then we've got to go to his Word. And for 45 minutes, I ministered to him. He said, wait a minute. He pulled out his pad, started writing everything down. And rather than talk to me about his election, he was writing things down about God's Word. You may be in a position to where you might be able to witness to somebody, but I think it's time for us to rise up today and get the right people serving our countries throughout the world and the right people realizing that there is a God in heaven. Can you say amen? So being a friend to somebody and being a good listener. Sometimes you can't ever find out what somebody's going through because we don't ever quit talking. But you've got to let them talk. In Acts 1.8, he said this, because the, the Holy Ghost is what gives us power. He said this, but ye shall receive power after what? The Holy Ghost has come upon you. And the Bible said you'll be witnesses. There it is, involvement, witnesses, uh, <clears throat> and say when he talks about that, unto both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and then he went further the uttermost parts of the earth. I didn't know I was going to be speaking here today. As a matter of fact, I didn't know I was going to be coming, and all the material I had 
wasn't going to make it here with me. But the one thing I do know, I see God moving throughout this country in different places and people that are stepping up. And I'll guarantee you it's a spiritual battle, but we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory because we have victory in Jesus Christ. God is always going to be there for you if you need him. Now, there's times you get discouraged. How many has ever got discouraged? How many pastors ever got discouraged and you're preaching and you felt like you were all alone? How many has prayed and felt like God was silent? Where are you at, God? But things are happening all around you. Sometimes God stretches us, but he always has a word. He always has a scripture. There are gold nuggets in the Holy Bible that if you need what I'm prayed, and I said, God, give me a scripture. And all of a sudden, just like a gold nugget will come out of there. And I feel the richness of God. I may be alone, but I find out I'm not alone. I am never alone because God is there with you. And you'll feel his richness and his grace and his strength coming there for you over and over again. I want to tell you something. God's love is unconditional. But sometimes in our witnessing to others, it may cost you something. Everybody wants the easy job. But nobody wants the hard job. I met a man in Eugene, Oregon a few years ago. He's with the Lord now. But he lived over in Europe. And he was over there during World War II when the Nazis were leading the Jews to the extermination camps. And they would march them thousands at a time. And he said they'd go by his farm. He said as they went by my farm, he said I'd run out and I'd start grabbing everything I could and throw it over the fence to those people so they could eat. And he said, I built a bigger garden and a bigger garden. And every time they came by, I threw more and threw more. He said, after a couple of years, they came and they arrested me. This man was a Christian. As he got in the march, they marched him in the rain and the mud, walking with no shoes. And it was pouring down rain. He didn't know how long they walked. And if you collapse, they shot you. I'd say that's persecution, wouldn't you? What do you tell people when they feel like there's no hope? And this man prayed and he said, God, I am so hungry. I don't have any food. He's telling me this. He said, I don't have any food. I don't have anything to eat. And this man, as I was talking to him, and he knew I was a minister, and he said, I'm going to give you something what God did. He said, I was walking in the mud and everything, and then they stopped us all. And the, and the Germans took a break. He said, down there in the mud, he said, I looked down, and there was a potato. He said, I reached down and got that potato. I let the rain wash it off, and I ate the potato. And the potato gave me enough strength to make the journey. As he was going on that journey, he wound up in the prison camp. And after he was in there a little over a year, he was so hungry, but he shared Christ with others. And he began to tell others about how God had provided that potato. But he had two friends that he had shared Christ with. And when he began to share Christ with those two friends, he said, I'm going to pray that God will give us some meat. And they said, well, we don't, they don't give us meat. He said, I'm going to pray God would. And the man got off by himself, and he started crying while we were there at the spa. And he's saying to me, he said, you know, he said, I just wept and wept and wept before the Lord. God, give me some meat. And he said, when I was out there, I was just sitting on a log weeping. And a bird flew down and landed right next to me. He said, I got a hold of that little bird. And I began to prepare it. 
to eat it. And he said, I went and got my two friends, and we built a little fire, just a small little bird. And I give a piece to this one, give a little piece to this one, and give a little piece to this one. To show you what God could do, he said, we started eating only about two or three bites on each piece. He said, we started eating, and we ate, and he wept some more, and he said, and we ate, 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 until we were all full out of this little bird. In the Old Testament, there was a woman that reached in the meal barrel, and she grabbed it, and she grabbed some more, and grabbed some more, and poured a cruise of oil, and poured a cruise of oil, and poured a cruise of oil. If God could do that for a man in World War II, if God can do that for somebody in the Old Testament, God can do that for us today. For he's a God of provision as well as a God of salvation. He's a God that only cares about your spiritual walk, but he cares about your physical needs because he's that type of a God. I'm not going to keep you too long. One fellow said, I'm going to tell you like Elizabeth Taylor told her ninth husband, I won't keep you long. So I'm moving along here. The thing about it is with the Lord, when you begin to see what God is doing, you begin to feel the pull and the tug of God. There's times I've prayed for a miracle with pastors concerning a facility. Times I've prayed with pastors concerning a financial blessing to the church. There's times I've stood with people in a hospital on death's door. But I've seen God in every place. Pastor, I've never in 45 years ever been back here and they turn it to the pastor or the speaker and walk to the podium. I have never felt alone. For you see, the anointing of God makes all the difference in the world. And so whether we are, wherever we are, God will be there. I've seen God heal cancer. I've seen God heal all kinds of diseases. But yet also, I've seen God call people home. I've seen God give people a financial blessing. I have a friend of mine who was a pastor, and he needed to build a bigger church, didn't have a lot of money to do it. They bought the property next door, had an old building over there. They tore down the chimney, found a leather sack in that, had thousands of dollars in the leather sack. I said, what'd you do? He said, we crushed every brick we found. We did everything else trying to find more. But God provided money for the new facility there, hid in, in the chimney in the house next door. Who, who could say that God would do something like that? Because that's the kind of God that he is. How many loves God with all of your heart? How many knows that he's there? I'm going to let you go with this. You know, he said, Matthew 28, 19, 20, go ye therefore. That's a command. That's not a request. He said, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things, not just some things. Observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And then he said, lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. That's a forever and ever. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. It's me. It's here and it's now. If not me, who? If not here, where? 
If not now, when? You have to ask yourself that question. Young people, you feel a call of God? Parents today, you feel God tugging at your heart to talk to somebody? If we're going to evangelize and if we're going to inspire somebody and let them know there's hope through the Word of God because it's alive, then we've got to be able to connect with them. So God needs you. You know what? When Jesus went and he ascended to heaven, and while he was there, maybe the angels gathered around and said, what's the second plan if this don't work? What if they don't share it? Then it doesn't get out. It only gets out if we do it. So it's me. It's here. And it's now. If not me, who? If not here, where? If not now, when? God needs all of us working for his kingdom today. And so when we see God, and even though you face some of your hardest battles in closing, even though you feel like you can't go any further, you've got to keep going. I'm 70 years old. My kids are saying, Dad, when are you going to retire? My friends and ministers in the gospel in our district and other districts, our general office keep saying, we don't want you to retire. Sarah George told me she didn't want me to retire. I remember her sitting down and talking. If you ever get Sarah sicked up on you, you know what that's like, don't you, being married to her. She's going to tell you what she feels like God wants you to do. The fact of the matter is God is never done with us. But when we feel the battles that we're in, always remember this, and you may have heard this before. First of all, you've got to realize God is too wise to make a mistake. He never does. He's too deep to understand. It's like the Word of God. It's deep enough you can't find the bottom of it, but yet it's shallow enough a babe in Christ can get in it. And also, He's too kind to be cruel. God is not a cruel God. He's a God of love. He's a God that is kind and understanding. But He knows how to stretch us and to help us to grow. So as we were driving here, I know there were many people who were not going to any place to worship. Now here in the Indian church, I love your worship. I love your weddings. Kind of reminded me, I said, Lord, I was sitting there listening to that wedding. I wonder what the marriage supper is going to be like. We might be eating all day and all night at that supper too. But yet as we're all there coming in, it might be a great time. God is gracious. you love him today? Give him a hand of appreciation. Thank you for this short time. I love being with you. Pastor, would you come?